Hello, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. Join us as we cover a multitude of real estate related topics with some of the brightest and most experienced minds in the industry. Our goal with the Real Podcast is to provide information, strategies, and insight on how to navigate the current upcoming Canadian market. We use the experiences, knowledge, and the expertise of our guests and professionals in the field and offer it all back to you, the listener. We hope you enjoy the show. Be sure to check out our website at www.reilounge.ca. We're your hosts, Brian Fitzgerald, Erica Spencer, and Jay Shaw. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Estate Investors Lounge. We are here, uh, myself, Jay Shaw, Erica Spencer is on assignment. On uh, this episode, we're actually sitting down with a first for us. We're sitting down with another real estate agent, um, uh, an agent from Keller Williams. His name is Mike Rockall, and he is an investor and a new agent in the Mississauga area. Um, He's been investing for about 10 years now, which is a pretty good amount of time and he's sitting at over 40 doors. Um, obviously, I've, I've stolen a bit of his thunder by giving that intro, but um, Mike, thanks very much for uh, joining us tonight. How are you doing? Uh, not so bad. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, uh, I always like talking and uh, letting people know my story. You know, uh, if I'm someone they can learn from, that's always a benefit. Awesome. I love it. So, um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hopefully, I didn't uh, steal too much of your introduction there, but tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background, and uh, we'll kick it off from there. Okay, so uh, from a young age, I don't know, real estate's always interested me. I mean, I, I can never see myself working uh, a full time job, you know, for someone until I'm 65 years old. Um, so I've always had a bit of interest, and I always thought if my parents had bought, you know, an additional property in their mid 20s or so, you know, by the time they were 50, it would be fully paid off and they'd have, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars extra, you know, at, at 50 years old or so, which would allow them to retire fairly early. Um, and I was lucky enough to have actually a good friend's dad who uh, started investing in his 40s. So when I was a teenager, kind of learned the ropes from him. Um, I knew that I wanted to get into some sort of renovations into real estate, didn't know much about it. Um, so I picked up a trade, became a licensed plumber. Um, and then, yeah, from uh, 24 years old, bought my first property, um, which I invested with my buddy's dad. So kind of had a, an expert uh, in the business kind of um, run the property for me and kind of learned from him. Um, so, yeah, that's how, uh, how I started out and uh, went from there. Just kept buying on my own after that. Very cool. Very cool. So, Mike, um, you know, I, I think uh, you've got a great story in terms of how you started out and kind of what uh, made you kind of jump in uh, feet first in terms of, uh, you know, your investing career. Where Talk to us a little bit about kind of the different areas that you're investing. Are you are you focused on one particular area? Are you looking at other areas? Where Whereabouts are you, uh, are you investing at this point? My main focus now is in Hamilton. Um, but when I started out, I was part of Real Estate Investment Network. And they always do their market research on, you know, top towns uh, based on economics uh, and growth of cities. So I, I started off in Barrie. Uh, Barrie's still strong. 
um, for new investors that come to me looking for kind of low risk properties. Um, they don't like Hamilton for a tenant profile. I kind of, you know, encourage them to buy, you know, possibly a cash flowing townhouse in Barrie because um, it's still poised to grow. Uh, my focus, because I like the rougher stuff and, you know, I like to get in there and, and add value through renovation and stuff like that. I, I'm focused in Hamilton. And is that where you're doing most of your, like all of your investing now? So you're in Barrie and Hamilton and you mentioned Aurelia, anywhere else? Uh, Orangeville, but I just, I decided to buy a pre-construction. I was like first one in line at the door, very close to me. Um, and I decided, you know, just to purchase some kind of long-term holds, no add value pre-construction. Um, that was when the market was hot too. Um, so, I mean, that, that particular property, because I live up in here, I kind of had an insider on the growth. And I mean, the, the night I bought, I bought two of them the night I bought, um, they were up 28,000 a piece. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't focus here. I wouldn't necessarily suggest to investors to invest up here. Small developer was building. I was, you know, first in line at the door, decided to dibble and dabble into the pre-construction market. What type of properties are you investing in, Mike? Like, I mean, you've, you've kind of, you know, I think, you know, not to put words in your mouth, but I think a lot of investors, when they start out, they want to do everything and they want to do every strategy and they want to, you know, be everywhere and do everything. And I think one of the things, and, you know, I think you've kind of gone that route, right, is that, you know, at some point you need to focus, right, in terms of kind of what you're investing in. And I think that's, you know, as, as you're doing now in Hamilton, you've kind of focused on that market. But what types of properties have you invested in in the past and what are you focusing on right now? I started off with uh, duplexes, triplexes, but my main focus was cash flow. I would not buy a property if it did not cash flow. Um, and I was never in a position where I put, or I never put myself in a position where I was forced to sell the property for whatever reason. So I knew it was going to be a 10 plus year hold um, that cash flowed. I've always, you know, put a contingency fund in. If I had vacancies, I was able to cover it. If I needed to renovate, I had a place to turn. I never put myself in a position where I was, you know, forced to sell the property for whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, I started off in duplexes, triplexes in the Barrie area, which were priced in the mid-200,000s to 300000 back then. Um, the last couple of years, I've sort of hit a uh, roadblock in the single family and have been forced into uh, multifamily. So now I'm particularly buying, I would say, things ten between 10 and 20 units in the Hamilton area and surrounding areas. Okay, so would you say your criteria is strictly cash flow, or do you ever look at, um, like some investors look for, you know, big companies that work in the area or transit going to a specific area. Is it you, are you strictly looking for the deal to make the numbers work so you have like a good healthy cash flow, or is there something else that you uh, take into consideration? Well, well, now that I've moved into that, that like cash flow was my main focus when I was first buying, um, like long-term holds. Now what I'm, doing is I'm buying uh, undervalued, undermanaged multifamily properties. So I'm going in there, uh, renovating, evicting tenants for whatever reason, um, kind of going the high-end route, putting granite countertops in um, and raising rents. Uh, because what I noticed in Hamilton is, you know, current market rents compared to where rents were three, four, five years ago um, from undermanaged landlords, you're, you're looking at, you know, a unit that could be rented for 1400 is currently rented for, you know, 750. 
775, right? So that one unit, you're going in there, you're renovated, renovating, bringing a, a A class tenant from a C class tenant that's currently in there and really raising the value. So that's, that's pretty much what I'm focused on now is multifamily buildings where I can, you know, pick up there that are undermanaged, um, go in there, renovate and raise rents. So Mike, you've been at this a long time. Like I think uh, you mentioned at the outset, you've been at this 10 years, right? I mean, um, you know, that, that's not exactly a strategy that, uh, that someone starting out would get into typically. How did you kind of get into that route? Um, you know, and how long did it take you to kind of, I guess, really have the stomach to kind of jump in and kind of, uh, you know, get into that route? Because I think, uh, you know, you're bang on, right? Like you see the value, you see the value in forcing appreciation, but in order to do that, you know, I think you have to get your hands dirty. So how, how long did it take you? to kind of realize that, number one? And number two, how long did it take for you to get the stomach to kind of, you know, jump in and go that route? Um, I was working full-time up until, uh, say, about a year ago. I mean, so it was a lot of day day and night, right? Working a full-time job, coming home, dealing with tenants. Um, I happen to have a lot of bad luck, or people see it as bad luck. I particularly think it's, you know, good luck in a sense where I've had you know, a tenant throw a cigarette butt into dry leaves, burn half the house down. Um, a tenant move out, um, you know, a day later, a shower control blew out, filled the, filled the basement with about four or five feet of water. Um, I've had a lot of nightmares in some of the properties. Um, and you know what? That's just made me grow, right? I've dealt with, you know, anything I can think of. I've had two properties where tenants have passed away in the unit. Um, so, I mean, dealing with all these once they happen, you're forced to deal with them and it just makes you grow. Right. So now a simple, you know, tenant not paying rent um, or leaving without notice, you know, finding, you know, they're just out of the unit. They didn't let you know um, for a new investor, that would be, you know, a nightmare, but that's just become the norm. And when you start buying, you know, multiple units, I mean, I, I just expect it now. Like I account for all that. It's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen, that's actually a bonus for me. Um, I would say, I mean, it all depends on the person, but I mean, and, and the tenants they've had, right? Some people could buy five, six, seven single family homes, never have an issue, move into multifamily and say, oh my God, this is, this is more than I, than I thought it would ever be, right? So it all depends on the tenants they've dealt with, how risky they want to, you know, be when it comes to tenant profiles. But uh, I would say I was about 30 units 30 units in maybe after five or six years and about 30 units managing on my own that I decided to go the multifamily route. Man, not enough hours in the day in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, now that I've made the jump and, you know, have gone full time, it's, it's a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Uh, and and you learn how to manage with it, right? You have you have your team set up. I mean, your paralegals if you're going to hire one to evict tenants, and you know you know the route you need to go when something doesn't uh, pan out the way you want it to. For sure. So, so that's a good point there, Mike, because I think that's one of the things that we always talk about on the episodes is you know putting together the dream team. Like you're in multiple markets. How did you go about um, you know finding and attracting? you know, members of your dream team, right? Because, you know, I mean, if you've got, you know, issues in Hamilton and then you've got issues up in Barrie, um, you know, obviously it's not the same team going to do both properties. Maybe in some cases it is, 
But uh, yeah. how did you go about finding uh, those individuals? And I, I attend a lot of uh, like meetups. So whether it be um, like a paid meetup, like uh, Real Estate Investment Network, um, there's smaller ones, local ones, where you meet agents out there, other investors out there, you know, your lawyers, your accountants who do their little presentations. And you kind of see uh, what other people are doing in that area, who other people are using in that area. And I guess the best way to put it is get out there and, you know, start building relationships with people, right? I mean, when I first got into Barrie, I didn't know who my handyman was. I didn't know, you know, if a tenant, you know, didn't pay rent. I didn't know who I was going to use or what I was going to do. But I did have, you know, five, ten investors in that area, a couple of agents that I was able to pick up the phone with and say, here's my situation. Can you help me out? Do you have a handyman that you use? And, you know, I was always able to find somebody within a you know, 24-hour period. So I, that, that's what I would suggest. If, if somebody is new investing, is make sure that, you know, they have a, a network of people that are investing in the area or, you know, have a relationship with a couple local real estate agents that have access to these people. You know, this way, uh, whatever issue you encounter, it's just literally a phone call away. So, Mike, what are you finding um, is the demand for local rentals in, in the areas that you're investing in? I mean, obviously, you've shifted now into the Hamilton area, and I think uh, a lot of our listeners are investing in Hamilton right now. Um, so they are particularly aware of, of that area. Um, but what are what's the demand in other areas that you're, you're investing in? Um, and then secondly, the buildings that you're rehabbing uh, in Hamilton, um, because, I mean, typically those areas are – let's call them up and coming. Um, what are you finding once you're kind of turning over those buildings, the demand is for um, rentals? Demand is, is in Hamilton uh, and Barrie is very high. Um, I mean, I, a decent unit, for example, that I had uh, rented for 1175 I went in there, did a, a modest rental, um, no more than $20,000 with appliances. I'm getting 1600 now um, and rented out within days. I mean, I'm actually starting to provide like uh, I wouldn't say a luxury unit, but but one of the better units in the city. So the demand is, is high. Vacancy rates are very low in both Barrie and Hamilton, um, and I think they're just gonna you know the demand is just gonna get stronger in those areas, right? A lot of investors are there, you know, pumping in you know lots of monies, rehabbing properties, and you know a lot of people from Toronto are starting to you know expand outwards, you know, into Hamilton, into Barrie. And I think as as time goes on, um, and with the mortgage rules and, and you know interest rate hikes, I mean people are going to be forced to either rent or you know purchase something on the outskirts, right? I mean I do think the demand for for things in the five hundred thousand dollar range is going to stay strong. I mean you know when you're up into the million dollar range, it's it's probably going to stay a little bit you know more flat. But I mean the demand's high in both those in both those areas. So, Mike, obviously, we've talked about where the markets that you're you're into right now, and then obviously, you're not afraid of doing renovations. But um, to kind of change gears a little bit, uh, when it comes to financing, I mean, obviously, you're pretty seasoned into this. So, I'm kind of curious as to one, how did you finance your first deal, and kind of how are you financing the deals now? You know, when you're sitting at forty plus doors. Um, and doing renovations, like how how are, how's the financing looking on this type of thing? Um, this goes back to building building a team. Um, I've always had 
you know, two or more mortgage brokers working with me. Um, so for my first deal, pretty much just took it to a mortgage broker who I had met at Rain, um, became a really good friend of mine. And, you know, from there he made it work. I got a really good interest rate. Um, but yeah, I just, I had a team behind me, um, that was an expert in, you know, the financing department. Um, as for now, things are, are quite a bit more difficult, especially with, um, the new rules in place and the interest rate hikes. Um, and that's what's kind of forcing me even more to go into multifamily. Um, just a little example, uh, a property that I bought seven, seven and a half, eight years ago. Um, it's got quite a bit of equity in it and it's very difficult to refinance. And now that I've made the jump into uh, becoming a real estate agent, um, they see that as self-employed and because they don't have, you know, two, three years of self-employed income, it's, it's nearly impossible to refinance, which is almost forcing me to sell now and move into multifamily where financing on that is, is a little bit different. Yeah, I figured it'd be getting a little bit more difficult. Um, when it comes yeah. to a couple deals that you've, uh, I know you mentioned uh, the ones in, did you say Orangeville that made twenty eight grand overnight? Um, yes. Can you break down a couple deals for us? Just uh, a lot of our listeners really enjoy like the the hard fast numbers in these deals. If you don't mind breaking them one or two down for us. Yeah, I mean the ones in Orangeville, I don't really want to break down because I mean I wouldn't really suggest that that's typically more of a speculation buy um, wouldn't really advise it on a, on a newer type of investor. But um, one of the first properties I bought on my own was a duplex in Barrie um, bought it for 239,000 um, currently rented for 2250. So the cash flow on that, I believe was about $300 a month or so. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just a, a property in a decent area in Barrie, a legal duplex. Um, I mean, I've never had a vacancy on that property in eight years. Um, very, very low maintenance. I have done no renovation. Um, probably one of the best properties I've had uh, in my career of investing. It's just, you know, 239 rents are 2250. I've done my increases year over year, no vacancies. Um, that particular property is one of the ones I'm I'm finding very difficult to refinance because it's now worth four fifty mortgages under one fifty, so three hundred thousand dollars of equity um, that I'm not able to pull out. And when I'm looking at that from an ROI standpoint, um, it's not doing what it could be. It's not the money in there is not working as hard as it should be. So I'm going to be forced to sell that particular property. Um, but it is a, a really good low maintenance property. It's been cash flowing for you know seven and a half, eight years. Any uh, any other properties you you'd want to hear about or? Hey, the more the merrier. Like the basically maybe one of the your more recent ones where you've had to do like renovations. Let's say you picked it up for whatever price, dropped how much into it, and then your turnaround and what your cash flows are. Um, another one in Barry. We just actually renovated the whole house. Uh, bought it with the JV partner uh, five years ago for three hundred and twenty-nine thousand. Um, was rented for I think twenty-four hundred dollars. Um, just recently bought our investors out at five hundred thousand. 
Um, we've put about 90,000 into the property. So about 590 in. Um, we brought our rent from 2400 to 3900 Wow. And probably worth, if I had to guess today, somewhere between 650 and 700. So it was about 60 to 90,000 on the table, but um, the cash flow is where, where it's at for us. That's, that's incredible. Do you, do you have like any reservations when it comes into the, um, like, do you ever tap into the, the Burr method when you do any of your projects? So, sorry, say that again, tap into the, um, the buy, I always mess this up, the buy, renovate, refinance and rent strategy. Do you ever use that strategy in your portfolio? Um, uh, yeah, I've used it uh, a couple times. Um, back when financing was a little bit easier, um, that's the banks allowed uh, purchase plus where they allow 10% of the purchase price to be allowed for renovation. So upon the renovations being complete, they'll reimburse you. Um, so yeah, one property in Hamilton, for example, um, bought it for two twenty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 down, um, spent $40,000 on a rental, pulled that 40 rate out. Um, now five years later, that property is worth six, 600,000, maybe more. Um, but yeah, we were only, Fifty thousand in, um, pull that all our rental money, which was which was fantastic. Yeah, for sure, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, what was one of the biggest fears you had in making the jump into real estate? I mean, I know you started it with uh, your friend's dad, but like, was there any fears that you had in and in, in regards to making that jump in? Jump into real estate or jump into like full time real estate? Actually, both. Because I mean. Jumping into full-time real estate as an agent is a, you know, because you had a steady income beforehand, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll start off with just jumping into into a first purchase. Um, I did a lot of, I did a lot of, like, research on, you know, cities, stuff like that, like my independent research. Uh, real estate was always uh, an interest to me. Like I said, you know, if my parents had about one property in their 20s, you know, they'd be retired, right? So, I mean... I, I knew what was going on. I didn't necessarily at 24 years old had to have the confidence and I didn't have the money. So what I did was I bought um, a property with my brother. So me and my brother put the money down and invested uh, with my friend's dad, um, who was an expert at that time. Right. And I do still suggest this to people who are really scared. It's their first time, um, property and, and I'm doing this in multifamily too. I've been coaching uh, a few people who are looking to get into multifamily and I'm purchasing uh, 14 units right now, two seven unit buildings side by side in Hamilton. And I suggested, why don't you, you know, invest in our company and pick my brain. You can see everything that goes on. Call me for anything. Um, and that's, that's what made it really easy for me is partnering with somebody who was an expert. Um, I didn't have to deal with the day-to-day headaches. That was their job. They had management. They dealt with all that. But I was able to, we had a joint bank account. I was able to see all the transactions. Um, and obviously, once a month, once every other month, I would talk with him and just say, hey, how's the property going? Oh, we had a tenant move out. Oh, yeah, did you rent it yourself? Yeah, we actually you know, took some pictures, listed on Kijiji or listed here and kind of learned, learned the ropes while investing with a professional. So it gave me the confidence. 
So, so two main factors. I didn't have the money to necessarily purchase that property on my own. So I got into the market probably 18 months uh, before I actually could have. So I got 18 months of mortgage pay down, 18 months of depreciation, 18 months of cash flow, um, which I wouldn't have. And I had um, an expert running it, which allowed me to, you know, still work full time. Right, which was fantastic. Um, now the jump into um, real estate as, as a full-time career, a um, lot more fear behind that. Uh, coming from you know six-figure salary and just kind of leaving that, there's always the fear of you know not having the cash flow or you know how am I going to pay my mortgage if if I don't sell a house or where's the money going to come from? And I've been thinking about doing this probably you know, three to five years before actually doing it. And I've interviewed um, quite a few agents I know that have taken the jump and investors. And the number one answer and, you know, what I've actually taken and how it's worked for me is is leverage. So, yes, I got a portfolio of, you know, 15 properties. Um, I'm getting mortgage pay down. I'm getting appreciation, but the mortgage pay down isn't going to pay my mortgage, you know, um, the appreciation, I can't pull out to buy food for my family, so how do you do it? And, and it's leverage. So I allowed myself to um, either refinance a property, uh, take a home equity secure line of credit on a personal property, and kind of leverage money. So if I knew my portfolio was generating me you know, $150,000 a year, um, I can now leverage up to $150,000 a year because you know, upon next year, I'll be able to refinance and pay off. And I had enough real estate at that point to to leverage my money around. Um, thank God I, I've never had had to use any of that. I mean, real estate's been been good for me, um, but I did have um, a little security behind me. Um, but the fear, the fear, of course, is always money. Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage? Uh, you know, where is where is the cash flow going to come from? Right, so. I mean, it's it's been good, but leverage leverage for me was the uh, was the number one thing to do. So I had uh, a safe, secure nest egg uh, just in case. Smart. So being full time in real estate now, uh, Mike. Let's switch gears and put your your agent hat on. I think we I think Brian and I hate referring to ourselves as agent, but uh, what are the types of clients you're working with now? Um, are you working solely with investors? Um, you know, what is the typical type of client that you work with these days? Um, yeah, I would say mainly investors, friends and family, um, you know, just friends looking to move or buy a property and investors. I've, um, like I said, built relationships with a lot of mortgage brokers who have, you know, clients looking to buy, not sure where to buy. So i um, teamed up with a bunch of mortgage brokers who send referrals out. Um, but yeah, main focus is, uh, investors. That's, that's what I really like you know, analyzing deals for people and, and helping them out. Where where are your investors that you're working with currently investing? Is this, again, where you'd say, like, a newer investor, you'd push them towards Barry because it's a little bit easier? Or, or where's, where's, where are your clients taking I you? mean, I, I typically do a little bit of an interview on my clients prior to uh, deciding where I think they should invest. Um, a lot of the referrals come to me because, you know, somebody's put a good word out, their mortgage broker, their, you know, friend, family who I've worked with, you know, has put a good word out. So they're pretty much coming to me asking me where, you know, they think 
they should be investing or where I think they should be investing. Um, and I, and I kind of put them through a little bit of an interview process. Um, example, last client wanted cash flow. Um, that was his main focus. Didn't, wasn't so worried about appreciation, just was looking for super high cash flow. Uh, found a triplex in Aurelia. Um, I think purchase price was 330 and cash flow on it was about 850 a month. Um, we got talking and I said, listen, this triplex you're getting into is going to be um, a little bit more work. Um, you, you a hands-on type, type of investor. Yes, I'm a hands-on type of investor. Okay, because you're going to have to, you know, come here. There's going to be more issues than typical single-family property. I mean, yes, you're going to get the cash flow you want. Calls me back a week later and says, you know what? I was thinking about it. You're right. This triplex is probably way too much work for me. Um, I, I'm really busy with my work right now. Um, I can't, I can't get into this property, right? So then from there, you know, you kind of understand that, you know, a single family, low maintenance, with a bit of cash flow is probably a better fit for him. Um, I've dealt with other clients who, you know, I'll do what it takes. I want to make money, not so concerned about the cash flow, you know, potentially put them into, you know, a triplex, duplex in the Hamilton area where tenant profile maybe is a little bit rougher or they want to do a renovation. So you're buying, you know, a beat down house, but they're a hands-on type of type of investor that, you know, likes to get in there and get his hands dirty. So, I mean, it all depends on the investor and what they're looking for. And I typically try and, you know, get that out of them prior to, you know, picking a place where I think they should be investing. So Mike, you went over uh, some of the, uh, I think you called it bad luck that you've had in the past and, I hope you haven't scared too many of our <laughs> our listeners off. With I, just, I see it as good luck, right? Just, <laughs> might have to be our Halloween special here, Mike, with all these uh, all the good luck you've had. But what's the biggest challenge that you've had to overcome in your in your path to real estate investing? Hmm, biggest challenge. I mean, it's it's probably you know leaving my full time job was probably the hardest thing, right? Do you have enough? Uh, real estate to sustain your lifestyle. Um, you know, it was just probably the hardest thing I, I've had to do from an investing standpoint. Um, and I looked at it kind of 10 years out. If I stay working for 10 years, how many more properties can I buy? Um, am I going to burn out? Um, and then also if, if I leave and I take, you know, $50,000 less on my salary for the first, you know, two, three years, will that allow me to buy more properties? So I think my, my biggest challenge um, in this whole real estate career was actually leaving my full-time job. Now, were you talking about biggest challenge actually once investing in a property? Yeah, I mean, I think you talked about, you know, um, a, a few challenges you've had. You know, you, know, you had a couple of residents, you know, pass away in the home. You had, you know, your fair share probably of, uh, you know, deadbeat tenants like i mean what would you say is the biggest challenge you've had to uh, had to overcome i mean it feels like i've had them all um probably half a house burning down because the tenant threw a cigarette butt um yeah i mean my house burned down i didn't know what to do at that point um thank god i had proper insurance set up um that's another major factor for new investors is make sure your insurance broker is you know um, very educated from the investment side of things. So I did have rental insurance. 
Um, so insurance did come in, um, rebuild the house and pay me rent for the five months that it took them to, to repair it. So I didn't really lose any rental income. I had a, a fully renovated unit now that I got more in rent after it was done. So I didn't really lose, but yeah, I mean, I, that was probably the biggest challenge. Just, you know, getting a call from the fire department at three o'clock in the morning saying half my house is, has been burned down. I didn't know where to go, who to call. I believe I was, you know, 26 or 27 years old at the time. One of probably within the first five properties I've ever bought. And, uh, yeah, but I mean, you learn, right? I went through that whole insurance end of things and, you know, it just makes me stronger as an investor. Yep. Makes you a little bit more reliable too, as the, uh, as the agent taking these investors through that you've been through for lack of better term, a, a few shit storms. So it's good. Yeah, another uh, another good thing too is uh, me being a licensed plumber. I've walked into a few basements where you get that you know musky type of smell, and you know you kind of know where to look now, right? As, as a plumber, is it a pipe that's leaking? Is it a foundation cracked? Um, yeah, and just you know having the construction end on my side as well has been uh, a good help for me and my clients. Absolutely. So, Mike, we've got a, a little bit of a fire round now, uh, just a series of questions we ask a majority of our guests just to see kind of what they're thinking and what they what they think is going to happen. Are you, uh, you okay. prepared? It's pretty intense. I'll, I'll do my best, but I'm, I think I'm prepared. Okay, awesome. So, uh, Mike, where do you see yourself in the next 12 months? Um, I am actually started a company um, with a couple of partners. Uh, we're buying multifamilies, uh, bringing investors on. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be, uh, you know, probably at about 80 units, double my portfolio in the next 12 months. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, where do you see the market in the next 12 months? That's a very general question. Very hard to answer. Uh, if you're talking about the condo market in downtown Toronto or, you know, multifamily market in Hamilton, two totally different markets. Um, in general, from a media standpoint, I mean, with interest rates going up, I think you're going to see condos in the GTA uh, still rise. Um, you know, the more expensive houses, I think, are going to stay a little bit more flat than than normal. Well, if you call the last five years normal anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from an investment standpoint, it's still very good to buy a cash flowing property um, outside of the GTA, something steady. Um and a 10, 10 year plus hold. Okay. All right, Mike, I got the, I got the hard questions there. Brian gets okay. the one. So, <laughs> um, all right. Um, where's my question? No, I'm kidding. Um, who do you learn from Mike? Um, I still follower of Don Campbell. Um, I'm, I like to follow Grant Cardone, um, Gary Keller as a real estate agent, uh, yeah, so those are those are probably the main three um, that I that I listen to. Um, I also deal with a you know handful of investors that have you know fifty plus million dollar portfolio in the Hamilton area that I like to learn from as well. So what do you uh, what are you currently reading? If you're not a reader, which podcast do you currently listen to? Um, to be honest, I'm currently reading a book that's. Uh, about stocks and, and option trading. Um, but I was going to ask if you're reading picture books. 
yeah, I still have a couple of those I like to read. <laughs> um, podcasts I listen to. Um, well, I listen not not necessarily Grant Cardone's podcast, but a lot of a lot of his stuff as well. Um, and Andy Farcilla, I like his podcast. I listen a lot to Tony Robbins as well. Mike, if you could do one thing differently in the last year, what do you think that would have been? Um, one thing differently in the last year. Maybe uh, market myself a little more. I mean, I've had a lot of people uh, you know, tell me that I'm, I'm too modest. i got to get out there, and hence why I'm doing the podcast. I actually did uh, you know, one in-person kind of seminar type of thing. I was on a panel. A one-on-one um but yeah i would have probably you know done a lot more of these podcasts and uh kind of get my name out there a little more well hopefully this podcast helps you a little bit so um yeah. what advice would you give to those sitting on the fence kind of watching you what would you say to them um i would just kind of really try and dig deep on what their their fears are and maybe put them in a position where um they can kind of lose those fears. Um, so, for example, if their fear was, you know, getting into an investment property um, and losing money on it, well, how are you going to lose money? Um, property value is going to go down. But if you're keeping the property for 10-plus years and it's a cash-flowing property, now what's your concern? You know, my concern is, you know, vacancies. Who's going to cover the mortgage? Well, you know, the vacancy rate in Hamilton is under 1%. Um, if you're vacant for two months, three months, is that an issue? Well, maybe we put in place a proper contingency fund. So, you know, have an extra $10,000 sitting there for vacancy. Do you know who's going to be renting your units? That We have one of the top leasing agents in the Hamilton area that, you know, we can connect you with. So that will help you out. Um, and kind of just realizing what their fears are. Um, understand um, the knowledge and expertise we have behind it. To you know, give them a leap up on things. Um, another thing is par- partner with an expert in the business. I mean, you can learn along the way. I did it when I first started. Uh, a lot of my you know other investor friends have done it when they first started. Um, but yeah, I mean, build build a network of, uh, of investors, you know, accountants, real estate agents, and uh, I think you know slowly the the fears uh, don't become don't become fears over time, right? You see everyone surrounding you. Uh, doing things and making money. Um, but yeah, surround yourself with investors and uh, possibly partner with an expert in the business. I mean, you know, when when somebody is not purchasing or they're, or they're on the fence, it's obviously a fear. I've had that fear. I mean, everybody buying their first, you know, property, I'm sure has had some sort of fear, heard a nightmare story. But I mean, I think there's ways to put yourself in a position where you can really mitigate those fears and risks. Um We've all, I, like, I've made a ton of mistakes, and I've probably made half the mistakes from, you know, the investors I've learned from and, and so on. So, you know, as long as you're surrounding yourself with other investors as well, you're not going to make the same mistakes they made. And even if, if, if for some reason you do, you're going to be able to rectify them, you know, very quickly having, you know, somebody else who's already made a mistake like that. Well, yeah, and each of those mistakes you make is a, is a learning tool for you in the future, right? I mean... Not to say you won't make sure. that mistake again, but you're less likely to make it in the future. For and, sure. I mean, For sometimes, sure. uh, and you can probably attest to this, that sometimes if you think you have all the answers, that's when you're, these people aren't jumping in. Well, 
I've learned a lot of things like by doing a couple house flips where I probably shouldn't have been doing them, but man, did I learn like a crap ton of stuff when I did yeah. them, right? Because I just yeah. jumped in and it was almost like fight or flight. Actually, I didn't even have the option option to, to take the flight because all my money was invested. So you're almost forced yeah. to learn and forced to adapt and, and overcome. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, guess, and um, sorry, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to add one more point is, uh, one of the biggest, you know, things that I follow too is um, if if I get into something that you know is a little bit more risky, and I were to lose, say, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, I mean, the education I learn for fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, I mean, I'm going to be able to duplicate that, you know, two, three, four, five, six times down the road without making any of those mistakes and have now profitable investments. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, I don't necessarily see a failure as a failure. Or a loss is a loss. It just becomes, you know, a learning tool. Yeah, absolutely. Right, which allows you to be successful down the road. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, a couple of those horror stories. Your toolbox must be fairly large by now. Yeah, right. For sure. So, but no, and in the end, it makes you that much more of an asset to the people you're working with and the clients you serve. So, um, you know, scars tell stories, and you've got a few of them, and we all have a few of them. So, I think it just yeah. makes us better, anyways. Um, so I guess we lost Jay, uh, not the end of the world, but, uh, he just texted me. He's like, Oh, it's too bad. I got cut off. I was on a roll. Anyways. Um, Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously you're a busy guy, you know, with uh, a multitude of properties and getting your, your real estate career off the ground. I'm sure you're going to be a great asset to a lot of your clients. And, and, uh, it was really a pleasure to, to speak with you and hopefully again, we can do this again in the future. Yeah, for sure. It was a pleasure to be on, and thanks for the opportunity to, uh, you know, speak on your podcast. Yeah, no, we really appreciate it here, and uh, I'll say thank you on behalf of myself, Jay, Erica, and the Real Estate Investors Lounge. So thanks a lot, Mike, and uh, have a great night. Perfect. Thank you as well. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, it's Jay from the Real Estate Investors Lounge, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. If you're serious about getting started in real estate investing and you haven't taken that giant step forward, I challenge you to come out to one of our educational events. On the first Saturday of every month, we host an educational speaker at the Niagara REI. If you're interested in getting started, feel free to check out our website at niagarerei.ca.